Amen. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. And we're going to take for our text, verse 14. But put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. You know, <clears throat> just work with me in a wee illustration here. I want you to imagine that I'm your medical doctor. And I've been your family's medical doctor for years. And so your family trusts me. And you trust me. And then one of your family catches cancer. And it could be terminal. But the treatment that I'm giving her as a medical doctor or him, whatever it is, is not working. But yet I continue to give the treatment. And then you have another medical doctor, young Dr. Comfort. And he knows the family. He knows me. And he knows that the treatment I am giving won't work and your family member will die. And yet, Pastor Com or Dr. Comfort, sorry, he won't say anything because he doesn't want to offend me and he doesn't want to offend you. Now, if that was reality, he would be a useless doctor. He would be failing and he's not worthy to be called a doctor. Church, there are people heading into a lost eternity and we as Christians have the cure. And yet, are we not telling them because we don't want to offend them? It's sobering thought, isn't it, folks? You see, sin is worse than cancer because it destroys the soul for eternity. And the Latter-day Church have a call to reach out to the lost, to stand for the Word of God. You know, I believe that if we all truly realize that each passing day is drawing us nearer to the coming of the Lord, then I believe that it could be the day of our awakening. When we, you know, we need to look at ourselves and say, I mean, am I actually believing that, that every day that goes past brings us a day nearer to the day when that trumpet will sound, when the voice of the archangel will call and the Lord himself will descend? Are we realizing that? We're told in verse 11 of our reading, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Than when we believed. There is a clarion call from the Lord to reach out today. Brother Charlie mentioned it during his prayer. There's people worried today. They're looking at Russia. They're looking at Ukraine. They're looking at the South China Sea and the threats between America and China. They're looking at the economic disaster that is going to come upon us if the Lord doesn't intervene. Civil strife, civil unrest, all these things they're looking at and they're afraid. And we need to tell them that there is an answer to it all. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ.
You see, it is, as it is our time to look up in faith, as it is our time to step out for the Lord, it is also a very important time for the unsaved to look unto the Lord because your time is shortening. Your time is shortening. You know, when you're going away on holiday, you prepare for it, for the big day when you're going away. My wife prepares for it the year before. But we're ready to go for a play tour. <laughs> I pack the night before we go. <laughs> but are we preparing for the coming of the Lord? And are you who have never made the commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, are you preparing? Because it's very clear in the Word of God. The wages of sin is death. And you know, we were once, as unbelievers like you, dead in our sins. But because of God's great love for us, because God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even as we looked at the table this morning, uh, when we were dead in our sins, he loved us and gave himself for us. And he gave himself for you this morning if you've never made that commitment. You know, we were once like you. And I was once like you, let me put it that way. No interest in church, no interest in the Lord. All right, I might have prayed at night before I went to sleep, but that was about the height of my interest. But I wanted to live my own ways, and I didn't realize that I was dead in my sins. And I didn't realize that even though that, God still loved me and still gave himself for me. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. We can try and earn our salvation, but we can't. The Lord has raised us up, and we're told that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It says, and again in Ephesians 2, back to verse 1, you have to be quick, and that means made alive, who were dead in trespasses and in sins. And again, as we read at the table, but we'll read it again. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see, church, in the world today, there are people looking to other religions. There are people looking to their ministers, their pastors, their priests. There are people who think that they're a good person and they're going to be okay. But church, they're not going to be okay according to the word of God. We are saved by grace and by grace alone. Jesus, his death on the cross is the only price that has been paid that can take away our sins. And we need to tell people today. And we're not telling people in an effort to offend them. We're telling people this because we love them. When I tell someone that you're trusting in yourself or you're trusting in religion and you're going to head into a lost eternity, I'm not being a holy Joe, a Bible thumper. I'm being someone who loves that individual and wants them to know that it's only in Jesus can you be saved. And we need to do that today. You see, it's by justification and regeneration that Christ gave us who were dead in our sins this new birth. And this new birth is issued in the eternal life that we are guaranteed when he returns. You know, this death to sin and being made alive in Christ, Paul gives an illustration for us uh, uh, using baptism and how we put off the old man and arise a new man in Christ. 
This new life in Christ, it's like the dawning of a new day. And you know, if you do put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is the dawning of a new day because your eyes are opened. Your eyes are opened to see God for what he did for you on the cross and to see how much God loves you. And a person, who does, or a person made alive in Christ who doesn't grasp the opportunity to live for Christ was once described as a person who sleeps on the day after, or on after the day has dawned. It says in Ephesians 5 and 14, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Arise, awake. The church needs to awake today. The parable we all know it so well of the wheat and the tares. When were the tares, or weeds if you want to call them weeds, when were they sown? When the laborers slept. Church worldwide has been asleep and the devil has had a field day. But it's time to awake, church. And I'm talking, as I said last week, I mean the same this week. Church worldwide, the body of Christ worldwide needs to awake. Now is the time for us as Christians, as, as we know the Lord is returning, as we know that day is dawning, then now is the time for us to put Christ first in our lives, to put Jesus first in your life. It's now is the time. Now is the appointed time to clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.27 <clears throat> For as many as you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. In this illustration, it really speaks of a covering. It speaks of a covering. The old carnal man being clothed with the righteousness of Christ. You know, when we stand in God's presence, we are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And that's why we have become acceptable unto the beloved. It's not because we're clothed with righteousness or self-righteousness. It's not because we're, we're clothed with the great deeds that we have done or we think we have done. It's what Christ has done. We are clothed with his righteousness. You know, in the biblical times, men wrapped their garments around themselves to cover their nakedness. Adam and Eve were given a covering by the Lord to hide their nakedness. And that old man, if we come in to try to come into God's presence, we are spiritually naked as it is. And that old man cannot come into the presence of the Lord. His sins forbid him to come into the holy of holies. But, but whenever we put on Christ, we can enter into the very presence of the Lord. We can enter into his presence. We can come into the presence of Almighty God you think it would be an honor to go into the presence of the Queen Elizabeth, and I think it would be a great honor, but it's an even bigger honor this morning to come together into the presence of God because when we worship the Lord together, he comes down amongst us and he blesses us. He inhabits our praises. Just sharing with the folks in the home this morning, there's only four of them in the service as a brave lot of them confined to their rooms at the moment. And even though there was only the five of us in the room, the presence of the Lord was there. And we were reading Psalm 133. Because we were there in unity, because we were there praising the Lord, the Lord's Spirit just came down upon us. And His Spirit comes down upon us this morning when we put on Christ and enter His presence. But you know something? It's not just a matter of coming to church and putting this robe on and being all holy and wonderful. You have to wear it in your daily walk. 
You have to wear it in your daily walk. You can't live for the Lord on Sunday and then walk in your old sinful ways, wearing your old garments during the week. We have to put on Christ. That means we have to be Christ-like that others might see Christ in us. You and I, in these last days, have to be Christ-like so that others may see Christ in us. That old phrase we often use when we're speaking to people is, you're the only Bible a lot of people will read today. And you have, an up, uh, you have a duty, sorry, to live for the Lord. Ephesians and Colossians, which are two epistles, uh, wrote later than his letter to the Roman church. Paul wrote this when he was in prison. He developed this idea. Ephesians 4, he said that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And then read for yourselves. Actually, we'll not read all this. We'll just take a few verses. But at Colossians 3, uh, 1 to 17, we'll read verses 9 to 10. Lie not to one another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Church, when we are daily living, we have to put on Christ. When people look at us, if we want to be a witness for Christ, they have to see something different. Because those of the world, when they, people come into their workplaces, go into their universities or schools, wherever it is they go, wherever it is they socialize, they socialize with people of the world. And the people of the world, they complain, they gossip, they backbite, they do all these things. And if someone there who tries to be Christ-like and refuses to do these things, they see someone different. They notice what's going on here. This, this isn't normal. And you know something I have found in my life? They will turn to you for private matters. I've had people who tried to wind me up and call me Holy Joe and all these things. But they've always, when I've been on my own, come over, sat down, can I have a word with you a wee minute? And they've asked me something or asked me to pray or told me a situation. And I thank God for that. I'm not Mr. Wonderful, by the way. But we try to live for Christ. We try to be different than the people of the world. We try to be different than the people of the world. We try not to be like football supporters. You know, I remember when I played football, I never played in front of huge crowds. Just, I think the most I ever played in front of was about two or 3,000, but normally it would have been a couple of hundred. And, you know, everybody in the stands can play football better than you when you're on the pitch. <laughs> And they can complain like mad. They're meant to be your supporters. And if you get beat that day or something doesn't go the way they want it, they go out of the ground complaining, and then they tell everybody else how bad their team was. That's not Christ-like. Whenever we come together as God's people, what is our conversation when we go home and someone says, what was church like today? What was church like today? What would be your answer? What would be your answer? Is it Christ-like to tell them about how angry you were? Is it Christ-like to pass on about a gossip that you shouldn't have heard in the first place, but you heard? It's not. We need to be aware that we are the ones the world are looking to because there's a lot of trouble out there today. There's a lot of anxiety out there today. Mental health has never been as bad as it has been today, and in my opinion, it's going to get a lot worse when we see what's going on in society. 
We've got to put off all these things. We've got to put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communications from our mouths and put on as the elect of God holy and beloved bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. And if we have a quarrel against any, uh, anyone, then we are to forgive them as Christ forgive us, so also do you. You know, that's one of the greatest witnesses you can have when you forgive someone. And we're reluctant to forgive because we think when we forgive someone, we're condoning what they did. We're not condoning, but we are rising above that and we are forgiving. And when people see that you, uh, as a Christian, can forgive, they notice that. They see that because they see what happened They see how you were hurt. They see how whatever happened, happened. And yet they see you reaching out the hand, opening the arms of love and forgiveness. That's Christ-like folks. And that's what people need to see today. If we have a partial allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ, we're only fooling ourselves. We looked last week, if you remember, at the Laodicean church. They're, excuse me, they were lukewarm heard a phrase years ago. Jesus must be Lord of all. And if he's not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. It's a good one to remember that. Jesus must be Lord of all. And if he's not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. Jesus himself said, Luke six forty six, Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? And one of the things he said is what we've been talking about this morning, forgiveness. You see, Jesus forgives and Jesus forgets. And that's hard as a human being to forget. He forgives and he forgets our sins. And as believers, we have also got to forget them and get on with life. Past sins can prevent us not putting on the garments of praise and righteousness and We do that by thinking that we are not worthy to wear these royal robes. We are not worthy to wear. That's what Satan wants you to think. You know, we can reflect on our lives in the past. Some of us can look at the things that we did and honestly say with a true heart, I'm not worthy to put on the robes of righteousness. I'm not worthy that Christ died on the cross for my sins. But you know something? You're not worthy, but he still did it because he loved you. And that should be your motivation to love him and to serve him, despite your sins. You know, that uh, I talked many times, not about what I did, but being things that I got up to maybe when I was younger, but you know, if they're gone in Christ's eyes. It's like, well, maybe some young people won't know what a blackboard is, but I think I call it a whiteboard today. Remember the teacher used to put something up in the blackboard? And I remember one particular teacher, when you were getting your homework, she wrote it in the blackboard. And boy, could she write fast. And you had to write like mad, because as soon as you finished, you rubbed it out, and you had no homework left to do. Or you didn't know what the homework was. And that's it. It's rubbed out. It's gone. And if you're feeling this morning, I'm not worthy, well, then don't feel like that. That's why Christ died. That's why Christ showed his love for you on the cross despite your sins. And then when you acknowledge your sinnership and ask him for forgiveness, it's as if they never happened. Listen to what Paul said. 
Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press towards the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Church, are you stuck in the past? I've got to ask myself that question too. Are you stuck in the past? Is something that happened in the past, does it have you like a stagnant pool? You're going nowhere. You need to forget it and you need to get on with the work of the Lord and praise him and worship him. You need, as Paul said, to put on the armor of light. You know, in the word of God, night and day, darkness and light are metaphors for Christ and Satan, the flesh and the spirit. And therefore, the armor of light represents the qualities and characters with which Christians should equip themselves to battle for Jesus against evil. We know from Ephesians uh, uh, 6, Paul talks about putting on the armor of God. We should be clothed with the armor of God as we serve him. Clothed with the armor of God, the shield of faith, the sword, the two-edged sword. We need to have these feet shod with the gospel of peace, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. We need to adorn ourselves with these as we battle in this world, as the day of the Lord draws near. Because church, I said, we need to realize that the Lord's coming soon. Satan knows rightly that the Lord is coming soon. His demons know rightly that the Lord is coming soon. And they know they have no future. They are doomed and they're going to take as many as they can with them. And we, therefore, have got to be strong and we've got to stand for God and we've got to be that new person, that light in the darkness for someone whom we know. Romans 13 and 13. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. You see, Paul he is saying, and especially in these last days, that Christians have got to walk honorably and decently. He didn't say they walk self-righteously. We're, we're not above someone who's not a Christian. We don't think we're better than people who are not Christians. But we walk trying to live a life for Christ. Our walk, our witness, it should be open in the day for all to see. And we know mankind, there's going to be people at church and no matter what you do, you're not going to please them. But that shouldn't put you off. You should keep going, keep doing God's work. Keep living for the Lord to the best of your ability. Some would ask, why put on Christ? And I remember I had the opportunity to, to speak in a secondary school and I was asked by one of the young men, why? Accept Jesus as Lord. Why do you need to do that? Well, you know something? When Peter spoke in the steps of Jerusalem, he gave us a wonderful insight into who Jesus was and is. He said in Acts 2 verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly. Let all the house, let everyone know assuredly what Peter is about to say is a fact. And it's a fact that people did not realize. But Peter is emphasizing what they, had, what they missed as Jesus walked in his earthly ministry. 
For he said that God hath made the same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ, the anointed one. And he pricked their hearts. He wasn't worried about offending anyone that day. He told the truth. You see, people today are against Jesus because they don't really know who he is and what he has done for them. They're against Jesus because Jesus is the truth. And uh, I quote a line from a film, I've never watched it, but I've seen a clip many a time, Jack Nicholson talking to Tom Cruise. I think they're in a courtroom and he says, you can't handle the truth. Men today cannot handle the truth. And Jesus is the truth because he challenges their lifestyles. He challenges the lusts of the flesh. He challenges their behavior. He challenges the carnal man in them. And they don't know who he really is. You see, Jesus, he has a right to be Lord of your life. Romans 14, from verse 8. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be the Lord, both of the dead and the living. But why <clears throat> dost thou judge thy brother? Why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. He is Lord of all, and he deserves all the honor and the praise. He deserves to be the Lord of your life. He is worthy to receive our dedication to him. People today, as I said, they are looking for the truth. Well, Jesus is the truth because he is the life and he is the way. Jesus will never ask you to do anything contrary to the truth, contrary to God's word. He's asking you to accept his lordship in your life, especially in these last days. And it's necessary for you and I to do so. We looked a couple of weeks ago uh, about the only way to be happy and the only way to have true joy in your life is to have the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, the truth is, and I've been there, and I'm not being judgmental, but the unsaved, it's only a temporary joy that you have. You know, Augustine, he said, Thou hast made us for thyself, O God, and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. He says, I've said, and you've seen it yourself, they're striving for identity. They're striving for a purpose. They're striving for some reason they're alive, for some reason to live. And they're looking here, and they're looking there, and they're looking at other religions. We need church to tell them that they can look to the Lord Jesus Christ, where they can find joy. They can find joy. Because the way of this world will never bring you total satisfaction and peace the way a believer will have in their Savior, Jesus Christ. What is offered by the world is broken cisterns. And in the Bible, that means that there were like wells in the desert which had been dried up. There was no nourishment. There was no refreshment. But in Jesus, there is. Isaiah said, There is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. There's no peace, in other words, without God. A backslider, as we term them today, will not find joy in their old ways. But pride and a refusal to acknowledge that they were wrong for walking away from the Lord has taken away their joy and their peace. 
The world's pleasures don't attract them the way they used to because they have a better knowledge, better knowledge of sinnership. And a believer who knows that now is the appointed time is not afraid of the world and what's going on. Not afraid to say to people, you need to get back to the Lord. You need to put away whatever is holding you away from God and come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let him be Lord of your life and he will be with you even unto the end. The time for a Christian to make a stand for the word of God, church, is nigh. It is nigh. The New Testament church, they believed that Jesus could come at any time. It is said in the Bible that a lot of them sold their houses, their properties, everything they had and gave to the church. Such was their belief that Jesus was coming the next day. Where is my belief? And you can ask yourself, where is your belief on the Lord's return? Am I living like he's coming tomorrow? Because there's Christians today and I mean, people have told me this. They don't want Christ to return just yet. I'd like my family to grow up and I'd like this to happen. I'd like to achieve. I haven't been working for this all my life. I would like to achieve it. Brothers and sisters, I wish you'd come back now and interrupt me. I heard some of you saying amen there, but I'm looking forward to the Lord returning. I'm looking forward to the Lord returning. And you know, the point is we need to awaken church. Because now is the appointed time. I don't know if you probably are like me. I've got to confess that for several months, as you can see, the way it's gone on. And so for several months, I've been saying, Monday, I'm going to start exercising properly again and eating properly. <laughs> I'm seven, eight months down the road and I still haven't done it, but I will. <laughs> you can't do that. Lord, look... See, as soon as we get this, the house fixed here, I'll be back to church and I'll be worshiping you, you know. As soon as I get this sorted out, Lord, I'm going to go and I'll take part in one of the activities in church. I'll be a helper or something. Church, now is the appointed time. Not next Monday. Now is the appointed time. Jesus said in John 9 and 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Now is the appointed time, church, to get active for the Lord. Now is the time for Christians to forget their disagreements and their hurts and ill feelings and dwell together in unity. Now is the time to do that. Now is the time to reach out to the lost. The time to tell people today that they need a savior. Now they need a savior. The time for men and women to turn to the Lord is now. Before it's too late, when he returns and you enter into a lost eternity. You know, the only day in which people have the opportunity to accept Christ and serve him is before he comes again. Or before if he tarries, you enter into your rest as an unbeliever. Now is the appointed time. Now is the appointed time. We might think, well, we want to make a stand, but how can this church reach this ungodly world? We can reach it by the power of his spirit. The time to be filled with the Holy Ghost church is now. The time to stir up the gift that is in you is now. 
a time to stand together as the children of God, and I mean all churches, is nigh. You know something? If they all churches could put aside their differences and stand together, they would shake this world its very foundations. And church, our prayer is that they will, because now is the appointed time. Not, as I said, next Monday, or not in September when the kids go back to school. Now is the appointed time for us as Christians to make our stand, to put on the garments of Christ, to live as the new man that he wants us to be, to forget, to put away those things which are holding us back, those revealed feelings or if I feel we've been done by wrong, put it away, get on with God's work together and God will bless us and will pour his spirit upon us. Can we ask the musicians to come?